Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. I threw a challenge down last week and said, I ask you to at least uh, ask this question about your own life. And here it is. Are you full? Now, after Christmas break and some of the stuff you ate, I know some of you can probably say, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of full. But we're not talking about that kind of full, right? We're talking about a different kind of full. Uh, and, I, and I made this statement to you. Uh, your fullness, the degree that uh, you are full of everything that God has for you, will overflow into every other part of your life. And that's why it is so essential that you become full of everything that God has for you. Uh, here's the difficulty. Being empty is embarrassing. And so if we discover that we're empty, since it's embarrassing, what we will do is we will do our dead level best to fill the emptiness in us with things uh, like uh, noise and music and friends and activities, all which can be good. The, the problem is, is they're not God. And so we try to fill that emptiness that's inside of us, and all it really does is make us more empty. Anybody ever been there where you, your schedule's full, but your heart is not? Uh, your social calendar is full, but you feel alone. That's because emptiness, that emptiness that is inside of us is made for one thing and one thing only, one person only. That's why you can get married and still be empty. That's why you can date your dream and it still be empty. That, that's why you can get your dream house and still feel empty and unfulfilled because the only thing that can fill you is God. God is what fills us. And so our, our other dilemma is this, that most of us don't know what we're supposed to be full of. We know, at least we will uh, uh, assert verbally that God wants to fill us, and we're going to do that in just a moment. But we have no clue what we're supposed to be full of. Don't, uh, okay, do this. Uh, look at your neighbor and say, you're full of it. All right, okay, that's a different thing. Some of y'all full of some stuff, and, and we're going to try... That's our goal over the next few weeks is we're trying to very clearly, some of y'all have been wanting to say that for months, and I, uh, uh, okay, some of you could only get away with it because I told you to say it. All right, so blame me. My, 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 my uh, phone number is, what's your phone number, sorry? Okay, okay all right, all right, so uh, we need to understand that God wants us to be full. And so last week I read these verses to you. Just want to recap. John 10.10. 10. This is Jesus talking. He says, The thief comes only in order to steal and to kill and to destroy. I came that they, talking about us, may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. I'm asking you to examine your own life and, and, and say to yourself, Self, is that my kind of life? Is my life overflowing? And if it's not, then you need to fill yourself with the things of God. Paul comes along in Colossians chapter 2, verse 9 and 10, and he says this, You don't need a telescope, a microscope, or a horoscope to realize the fullness of Christ and the emptiness of the universe without him. When you come to him, that fullness comes together for you too. His power extends over everything. 
in the version that we would recognize, he said it like this. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and in Christ, you have been brought. That's past tense. You have been brought. It's already taken place. You have been brought to fullness. So the accurate and the mature understanding in our walk with Christ is this. He not only came to save us, he came to fill us. And if we're not full, it's not enough just to be saved. All right, all right I got a couple. So, so we're gonna, I'm going to be very clear, I hope, in articulating for you exactly what we are supposed to be full of. So join me this morning in Luke chapter 17. There's an account that Jesus had, uh, an experience that Jesus had that will speak to us about the first thing that we are to be full of. Luke chapter 17, beginning in verse 11, down through verse 19. It happened that as he made his way towards Jerusalem, he crossed over the border between Samaria and Galilee, and as he entered a village, ten men, all lepers, met him. They kept their distance, but they raised their voices, calling out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Taking a good look at them, he said, Go show yourself to the priests. They went, and while still on their way, they became clean. And one of them, when he realized that he was healed, turned around and came back, shouting his gratitude, glorifying God. He kneeled at Jesus' feet, so grateful. He couldn't thank him enough, and he was a Samaritan. And Jesus said, were not ten healed? Where are the nine? Can none be found to come back and give glory to God except this outsider? Then he said to him, get up on your way, your faith has healed and saved you. So this morning, I want to be very clear, without wrapping it up in anything else, all around, I just want to make this statement to you so you're very clear on this. In order for us to be full, we must be filled, we must be full of this. We must be thankful. All right? We must be thankful. Jesus goes out of his way You do understand, read the account. You do understand that by Jesus doing what takes place in this account, number one, he's breaking the rules because Jews aren't supposed to be in Samaria. He goes out of his way. We talked about that last week. Jesus will adjust his schedule for you if you will just simply obey. In this case, he adjusts his schedule. He deters. He goes out of his way to find people in need. I'm thankful for that this morning. He goes out of his way. He brings a life-changing, healing, hope-restoring touch that changes what was in fact a death sentence. For these ten men, they had literally had one of those doctor's appointments that nobody ever wants to have when the doctor looks at you and says, I can do nothing else, go home and die. It was that kind of report that they had received, and that is what Jesus walks into. It was a terminal situation, and he sees them And he provides hope for them, healing for them. And so what we can do, and this is what preachers normally do, at least the ones I've listened to, we normally focus on the nine, right? We we spend all of our time and attention thinking about the nine. And I will say this, that the nine that received his touch and were healed and didn't go back and see Jesus afterwards, I can say this, and and I want to say this, they are perhaps the most accurate description or picture of our current society. And un, un, unfortunately, 
they also, if we're not careful, have also become a very accurate picture of those of us who have had a Jesus encounter. What they paint for us is they they paint for uh, for us a picture of people that are consumed by an attitude and a position of entitlement. Let that sink in. They, they are consumed by entitlement, which then leads to a lack of gratitude and thankfulness. They, they're desperate for help, they receive help, and then they continue on their way with no pause, no hesitation, no gratitude. The unexpected is expected and demanded. Entitled. So I just want to take those nine, and I'm not going to spend any more time than this on the nine, and just say these nine serve for us as a cautionary tale that we've got to make sure that we understand that we have to be thankful. That we can't act like these folks. That we can't behave like these folks. I want to spend the attention and the time on the one that got it right. Uh, and here's why. Because the account that I read to you in the translation or the, the, uh, the, the paraphrase that I read, read to you from, although accurate, probably without intending to, diminishes what actually took place. And so if you will allow me to uh, take a traipse back into my childhood, uh, like, uh, which I don't believe this way, but it caught my attention. I saw a bumper sticker the other day driving down council that said, if it ain't KJV, it ain't God's word. All right. Okay, I don't, I don't ascribe to that belief. However, in this one instance, well, probably more than one instance, but in this, this particular instance, uh, the, the King James may more accurately speak to us about what took place. I want you to see if you catch this. In verse 14, it says, this is right after Jesus says, go show yourselves to the priest. This is what the KJV, this words it. It says, and it came to pass that as they, all ten, as they went, they were cleansed. Okay, we get that picture from what I read to you already. But now, uh, so, so you notice that all ten were cleansed, but now I want to read to you what Jesus says to the one who returned thankful. In the King James, just so we get it, in verse 19, after this guy shows back up and kneels at Jesus' feet and worships him and says, thank you. Listen to what it says. And he said unto him, arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. Okay. <laughs> all right, did you catch it? Ten were healed, but one was whole. We, now, I, man, we can have some Pentecostal church up in here off of that little bit right there and, and shout about that, but our challenge is, is how many of us have Jesus encounters where we are healed, we're saved, but we're not whole. And I want you to notice that, 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 I, that, that the only difference between him and the other guys. The only difference was this. He was thankful. Did, were they, like, I, I, wished I, was, I wished I could have been there. I'd like to follow the other nine around for like three months and see if they got leprosy again. I'm not going to assert that and place that on the text, but it, I wouldn't doubt it, but I can't, I can't prove it. So, so let's just pretend or, or maybe we just say back off and say, okay, Jesus was such a great healer that they were probably healed for the rest of their life. So they lived life healed. 
but they didn't live life whole. So my challenge this morning to you is this, is you have a choice. You can settle for touched and healed and blessed and favored, or you can choose to take the steps and have the right posture necessary to graduate from being touched to being transformed, and you can, trans, you can graduate from being healed to being whole, and the only ingredient necessary to produce that in your life is to be thankful. Thankful. Here are some keys that I want to share with you this morning, just real quickly. Number one, to be thankful, you must leave the crowd. This guy walks away from nine individuals that were apparently thankless. Okay, in order for you to position your life in such a way that you will be thankful, you can't hang around with people that are thankless. You've got to quit hanging around folks that feel entitled, that act like they deserve the touch from God that they've got. All right, now, now, come on now, we've got to get real, we got to get real honest. There, some of you have people surrounding your life that act like they deserve what Jesus did for them. Like they were good enough before Jesus. Okay, so, all right, but, but, but this, this means that we can't, we can't be like others and, and allow ourselves to believe that we deserve what Jesus has done for us. Because like Paul, I know Paul said it about himself, but I think maybe sometimes we ought to go back and steal it from Paul. We're the chief of sinners. I don't know what your story is. I don't know what your life was like before Jesus. But, but, but I just need to tell you, and maybe somebody's never told you, but you were the chief of sinners. Okay, y'all tell me that back because that's a two-way street. That's all of us. We couldn't be good enough for God on our own. We didn't have the ability to clean up enough for God. We didn't have ability to reach God. It was only by Jesus' mercy and His grace and His sacrifice. So in order for you to be full, what we have to do is we can't walk around expecting the unexpected with a spirit of entitlement that says, you owe me this, God. This is, this. No, we walk around in a spirit of gratitude and thankfulness and go, I don't deserve this. It doesn't matter what your last name is. I'm not talented enough. I'm not, I, I, I'm not good enough, for this, but I'm thankful, God that you've touched me. In order to be full, many of you this year, you're going to have to distance yourself from people that are not thankful. Some of you got people in your life that are not very thankful. Walk away. No, run away. Because thanklessness is contagious and it will corrupt your heart and your life. If you're going to be thankful, you've got to leave the crowd. The second thing I want to say to you is this, is if you're going to be thankful, you've got to be willing to stop. I want you to notice that this man stops on the path and he recognizes that he's been changed and then he returns to say thank you. He went back because he was mindful of where his healing came from. I want to say this to you that there are a lot of us that receive blessings from God and sometimes we receive blessings from God through people. And we never stop long enough to be mindful of the source. In fact, this is what I want you to learn this morning. We aren't thankful because we are forgetful. We forget 
where this goodness comes from. We forget where the promotion came from. We forget where the house came from. We forget where the great family came from. We forget where the, the, the popularity came from. We forget where this opportunity came from. We forget where the favor came from. We're forgetful. So many of us fail to stop in our journey to acknowledge his touch. Especially when that touch comes through other people's hands. We, we won't stop and say thank you. We, we literally act as, as if we've always been saved. If we, that like we've always been free. Like we've always been on this path to heaven. Like we've always been in right standing. And this guy, his attitude is this. He comes to this sudden stop and he goes, you know what? I haven't always been healed. In fact, 30, like 30 minutes ago, I was dying. Our dilemma is that some of us have been healed and saved and blessed for so many years that we have forgotten what it was like not to be healed, not to be saved, not to be free. And so we become thankless. So this is the challenge. I want this year, I want you to take long enough, even this morning, and I want you to stop and I want you to remember what life was like before Jesus. Now, usually, if we're not careful, when we do that, we begin to become overcome with guilt and shame. And I'm not asking for you to, to, to linger on this thought that long. But I want you for one moment, not to produce that shame or that embarrassment, but for one moment to stop and recall the addicted, abused, hungover, broken, crushed, depressed, suicidal, unloved, unwanted condition that he found you in. Think about what your life was like before Jesus. Just long enough to cause you to step back and go, I am so thankful that He went out of His way to reach me. Maybe, maybe you know, I like all the new stuff, but sometimes i got to go old school just because uh, Tari's getting old and, and I like to... And I like to help him reflect back. And just for him. But maybe we ought to go back and dust off some of the old stuff just long enough to, in our own spirit, to sing stuff like this. Count your many blessings. Name them one by one. Count your many blessings. See what God has done. We become so familiar with his blessings that we, we forget to be thankful. He didn't have to find us, but he did. So I want us to take some time this year and stop and, and think about what God has done and allow it to cause us to be thankful. In fact, I, I want us to just practice. I got some more stuff for you, but I just want us to practice. I just want you to take like tw a 20-second thank break, okay? I want, I, I want you to find two people. You don't even have to stand up if you can find them sitting around. Uh, uh, but if you need to move, I need you to just find two people and tell them one. We're counting our blessings. Tell them one blessing God has given you. Just come on, think. Well, I don't have anything. Are you here? Are you breathing? All right. Come on, find, find two people real quick. Just turn to them and say, God has done this for me. I'm thankful. I'm thankful. I'm thankful.
So we've got to stop. Last but not least, I need to tell you this this morning, is that thankfulness must, must invade our language before fullness will invade our life. This man opened his mouth and declared his gratitude and it caused and produced a fullness in his life. His willingness to express gratitude caused him to, to graduate from heel to whole. And, and what I'm saying is, is I'm concerned that many of us can go days Day after day after day with never opening up our mouth and expressing gratitude not only not to God but to no one. Some of us go months without saying thank you to parents, thank you to spouses, thank you to, to, to friends, thank you to employers, and thank you to employees, thank you to people that have impacted our life. We, people that, we, we'll go to a restaurant and, and, and never have to raise a hand and they wait on us and we'll never say thank you. Never say thank you. And you know why that concerns me? Because... Our lack of thankfulness and willingness to open up our mouth and actually say thank you to people around us is then it bleeds over into our conversation with the king. And because we never said thank you to people we can see, we're unwilling to say thank you to the one we can't see. Okay, it's... I, I th- it bleeds over and so now what happens is we gather together on Sunday and we come into the presence of the one that set us free and the one that healed us and the one that, that, that produced favor on our life, the one that blessed us and we can go through an entire worship service and the worship team can be on it. I'm not talking like they have a bad Sunday. I'm talking like they're on it. Like, like they're really, but let's say they did have a bad Sunday. And we can go through an entire worship service and let them do all the thinking. And we can't get a peep out of you. Well, I had a bad Saturday. Tough. We all have bad Saturdays. Right? Does that, should that determine whether or not he's worthy? Does that diminish all the touch, touching that he's done in the past? But because we become thankless in our language around us and the way we speak to others around us, we allow that to translate and bleed over. And then we come into the presence of the King of the Kings, the King of Kings, and we can't even stop long enough to go, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And so what happens is this. Our silence keeps us empty. David says it like this in Psalm 51, 15. It's almost... I try not to like read what I want to read in the scripture, but, but, but this one this one gets me because in Psalms chapter fifty one verse fifteen he says it's almost like a challenge. It's like David's challenging God. He says this: "Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise." I dare you. Open them up. I dare you, God. Just open my mouth. And it's like he's challenging God and saying to him, if my lips happen to come open, I can't even help myself. I will praise you and say thank you. Just give me any excuse to open up my mouth. And when my lips get open, rather than cursing and rather than being angry and rather than complaining and rather than worrying and rather than gossiping and rather than rather than crying, I'll... I, they opened, so I got to say, 
Thank you. I'm so thankful that I have to say thank you. We need you to open up your mouth and declare your gratefulness because it will produce a fullness in you. The Bible says that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So then I can take from that, the logical conclusion is this. If you open up your mouth and there's never any thanks coming out of your mouth and you won't think, thank the server and you won't thank your spouse or you won't thank whatever, if you won't thank anybody, then I have to take from that logically, then whatever's in your heart's coming up, there must be no thanks in your heart so what we need to do then is this I'm challenging you practice all week saying thank you so that when we gather together on Sunday you can't help yourself all of a sudden your lips come open and praise starts coming out of your mouth and thanks starts coming out of your mouth and people around you realize all of a sudden man that guy's thankful for what Jesus did and so let, so let me some of y'all need some help so I'm going to help you all right I'm going to embarrass some folks because some of y'all don't know how, you don't even know who to thank. So I'm going to help you. Just around here. All right, I'll let you figure out who to thank out there. But just around here, let me say thank you to some folks. Like, I'm really thankful for Maria Palacios. All right? Where's she at? Oh, right there she is. You know why? Because after you leave all those empty coffee cups and your gum wrappers and your snotty Kleenexes, and the bulletins that we wanted you to take home so you could go back over your text, but you don't. You know who picks all that up without being asked? She does. Every Sunday. I want to say thank all right, yeah. I want to say thank you to Teresa Shepherd. Is she here today? I think I saw her. Yeah. She's some she may have stepped in. No, she's not here. She where, where's Catherine? All right. Hey, Teresa online. How you doing? I'm thankful that every time we have a visitor that Teresa goes out of her way to do a handwritten, personalized card to say thank you for being with us. I, I, I'm, thankful, I'm thankful for our video and our audio team that while you're spending all your time worshiping and not thinking about the fact somebody's back there pushing buttons and sliding stuff and fixing stuff so it sounds good, hopefully, and it looks good, hopefully, every Sunday. Every Sunday, I, I, I'm, I'm thankful for uh, our nursery workers so that, okay, some of y'all really thankful more than others. Okay, I'm going to tell you who should be the most thankful in the room right now. I'm going to name them because their kids are crazy. All right, so the most thankful, no, I'm just playing. <laughs> All right, just, All right. I am, I'm thankful for our nursery workers. I'm thankful for our teachers. I'm thankful for our pantry volunteers. I'm not even going to let the cat out of the bag. I'll wait until the 22nd. I'll tell you how many people have walked through that house in the last five or six months. It is mind-boggling. And people are giving up every Wednesday afternoon and every Saturday morning, some of them more than that, sorting and loading in and handing out and praying with folks. I'm thankful. I'm thankful for our youth workers that take care of our teenagers and our college students and love on them. I'm thankful for our ushers and the greeters who smile at us when we walk in, even if they did have a bad Saturday. They put a smile on their face and they greet you. This is one of the most welcoming churches I've ever been a part of or ever entered. And I can, I'm the pastor, I get it, but, but I'm telling you, I've been to some that are not, and I won't go back. But when you walk in here, people are genuinely glad to see you, and they brush their teeth when they say, thank you for, all right, all right welcome, I'm so, th I'm thankful, I'm thankful, 
I'm thankful for our worship team. That even when the preacher can't preach his way out of a wet paper sack, our worship team gets here every Sunday. I can probably count on, on one hand the number of times in this we'll celebrate our 10th year this summer in 10 years where I felt like they weren't able to get us into the presence of God and it probably wasn't even their fault. It was probably because we weren't ready. And they come every week and they're prepared and they worship God. I'm thankful. So if you need a place to start, start there. There are plenty of people around here that you should say thank you to. And that ought to carry over into your daily activities and then thank people in your life. And then let it bleed over into when you're having conversation with Jesus and be thankful, willing thankers. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 and 18. If you want to see what God's, one of the things that God wants to fill us with, listen to this. He says, be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I think you missed it. It is God's will. What's God's will for my life? For you to be thankful. For you to be full of thankfulness. We ought to be the most thankful people on the planet. And yet, too many of us walk through life looking like the mule who tried to suck the golf ball out of the gopher hole. Some of y'all get that like this afternoon. But you're all puckered up and you're sour and you're hateful and you're angry. Smile at me and let me know you're thankful. All right, because I'm talking about you if you're not smiling. All right. Everywhere we go, people are looking and go, there's something different about them. What's different about us is we're thankful. We stop. We walk away from a negative, entitled, thankless crowd and we stop. Long enough to take an assessment of our life and realize we don't deserve this. We shouldn't be as favored as we are. We shouldn't be as blessed as we are. We shouldn't be saved. But because I am, I walk through life. And I'm thankful to God. And I'm thankful to people around me that are God's instruments towards me. So I want to challenge you, something I've challenged myself this year. I, I just It sounds simple, but it will change our entire life. Our life will become full. I want to challenge you. Say thank you more this year. Say thank you more. Like when your kid cleans up his room, even though you had to ask him 96 times and threaten his life. I mean her life because I'm not talking about my own. How about walking back in, just, just blow their mind and say, thank you. What about when, when your spouse, even though they're exhausted after a long day, does something special for you? Thank you. What about at work when somebody goes out of their way to do better than they have to? Thank you. I am challenging you that we have to become. Passion must be thank. Father, this morning, my prayer is simply this. Those of us that have been touched, those of us that have been healed, those of us that have experienced change, those of us that have had an encounter with you,
I pray that in this very moment, we would stop and realize the change in our life. And gratitude would overtake us. And we would become overwhelmed with thankfulness. God, I pray that in our daily life, as we encounter people, many are being used by you and they don't even know it. They're your representatives towards us. I pray that we would become thankful. In the drive through at McDonald's, even after they mess up our order, could we, Father, could you help us to become a different type of people that are so thankful that in all circumstances we're still thankful? So that when they hand me the bag and it's wrong, I don't have to leave real quick hoping they don't see the passion emblem on my car because I was hateful. But instead, God, could you help me to say thank you? God, when I go to the bank or when I go to the grocery store or when I go to school or when I'm interacting with my spouse, when I'm interacting with my kids, my parents, my friends, my roommate that's driving me absolutely crazy, the one that keeps using all the toilet paper and won't ever buy any, could you help me stop long enough to consider how thankful I should be that you've even placed them in my life? God, I pray that in this congregation, this body, you would fill us with so much thanks that people, this sounds weird, Father, but I'm asking you to do this. I pray that we would become so filled with thanks that people would get tired of hearing the phrase, thank you. Anytime we see someone doing something in this house, I pray that we would say thank you and sincerely mean it. And God, most of all, I pray that that thankfulness would permeate our life to the degree that when our lips open, praise would come out. And together, as we gather over the course of this year to worship, my prayer is that there would never be a week, never be a Sunday where it's hard for us to say thank you. I pray that as we spend time worshiping you together, our hearts would be filled with thankfulness and the worship team wouldn't have to crank and work and struggle and strive to get us to worship. I pray we'd trample them to death with our praise. We would be the most thankful people on the planet and we would start practicing today. I ask you to accomplish this by your power and your mercy and your grace. And we stop right now and we say thank you Jesus. Thank you that we weren't just cleansed, that we're whole. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for rescuing us. Thank you for going out of your way. Thank you for taking a detour. Thank you for breaking rules. Thank you for coming to rescue me. I'm the only one. Thank you. Thank you. I didn't deserve it. I was unworthy. I was never going to be good enough. 
I was never going to reach the Father. But you came for me. And I'm thankful. My lips are open, so praise is coming out. Thank you. Hallelujah. You thought I was worth saving. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus, for your goodness. And everybody that is thankful, would you just raise a hand real quick and just give him praise? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.